The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. How, how do people see you? No, seriously. Pause for a moment right now and just, you know, maybe take a moment and just think about it. Do people see the real you or only what you want them to see of you? And what parts of you are you hiding? What are you hiding behind? Are you hiding behind only showing the best version of yourself and so you kind of try to put on a, a good image and a positive image and so you, you cover up the worst parts of you because God forbid somebody knows who you really are? Or maybe, maybe you hide behind the worst version of you. Maybe, maybe it's the tough facade or it's the angry part of you or it's the really dark part of you. And, and you do that because it allows you to keep your distance from people so that and you don't have to be hurt again. What do you hide behind so that people don't really have to or people don't get to know you? Like, you know, that there was this, you know, phrase like, you don't know me. And, and what is it in your life that you can use to make sure that people don't know you? Maybe, maybe you stay busy. Maybe you keep your distance. Maybe you've, you started working multiple jobs so that you can have more stuff. And the more stuff then can define you, meaning I am what I have. And so you can hide behind the image you've created. Maybe it's the look, the physique, the fashion, the car, the house, the job. But we can all hide behind something to keep people at a distance or so that they don't know the real me. And what happens when we do that is we create barriers and distance, a separation. We guard our hearts by keeping people outside of us. What if somebody, just somebody, knew the real you? What would that mean for you? I want, to, I want to bring you into a, a, a city story. The city is Capernaum, and it's the story of a, of a guy who had every reason to be really guarded. Now, he brought it on himself. I'm not, I'm not saying it's everybody else's fault but his own. The story is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's the story of Matthew. Now, it's the first book of the New Testament, uh, probably not the first of the Gospel accounts to be written. That was probably Mark. But Matthew's account is an eyewitness account of an individual who becomes a friend and follower of Jesus. And what I want to share with you is the story of how that happened. So we're going to jump right in and, and we're introduced to Matthew uh, by Matthew, right? So he's writing the account of the life and teachings of Jesus. And in his own account, he, he kind of introduces himself in this moment where he meets Jesus. So we're going to jump right in. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. So we're, think about it, we're already nine chapters into his book about Jesus. And here we go, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named, so as he went on from there, he was in, this, in the city or the, the kind of a, more, probably more like a town of Capernaum. And he's going on from there. I mean, he's on his way out. And he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. So let's just pause right there and we gotta talk for a little about what's going on here. 
So first, uh, Jesus spent a lot of time in Capernaum. Uh, he had done a lot of his miracles up to this point in Capernaum. Uh, he had, at this point, he's beginning to invite disciples to follow him. And at this point, he's already invited uh, two sets of brothers. All four of them are fishermen. They fish in the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is on the northwest uh, region, or is in the northwest region of the Sea of Galilee. And so we got Peter and, and, and Andrew brothers, James and John brothers, who have been invited to begin to follow Jesus. And now they're walking with Jesus and Jesus is walking by, or, or uh, they're going by and they see Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. So a little bit more context. This guy, Matthew, uh, the tax collector would have been viewed as a cheat and a thief. In fact, commonly among all the Jewish people, they saw tax collectors as thieves, as robbers. That's what they would have literally said that to their children. Watch out for them. Don't play with their kids. They're thieves and they're robbers. Maybe you have in your mind the kind of people that you see as thieves and robbers. Maybe you lock your doors when you go through that part of town or you see someone like that. Well, that was Matthew. Now, Matthew probably grew up like this. His dad was probably a tax collector. So, so what is a tax collector in this time? It, it's more like a customs agent. You could think an IRS agent, how much we love paying taxes. But in this area, obviously for you, you know, your taxes are taken out when you buy something at the store or when you get a paycheck, right? Like you don't ever see the person who's taking that money. It just ends up in the government account somewhere. Well, back then, what, what would happen is the Roman Empire would go into every community and they would hire local people to then basically collect taxes. Now, how did they do that? Well, Matthew uh, would have been very wealthy and he actually would have had a bid for this tax collector position, meaning you pay a large sum of money each year to be the tax collector in that region. And, and, it's, and it's like a custom booth, so it's at a boundary from one uh, Roman uh, area to the next and you you sit in, at the at the boundary and you collect taxes on goods passing through right so if somebody's buying something they got to pay taxes if somebody's selling something they got to pay taxes and so he's there to charge them now here's the deal right once he pays for this position he can charge as much as he wants once he recoups his investment right now it's all profit so they were thieves and robbers because they were always charging more than they needed to because not only are you going to make up what they invested, but they're going to make a whole bunch of money. Interestingly, uh, in, within the Jewish community, they're not just considered thieves and robbers, they're considered traitors because they were working for the Roman Empire that was oppressing the Jewish people and ruling over and really abusing the Jewish people, right? The Roman Empire, which is really taking advantage of beating people in the streets. Like he's a villain to his own Jewish people. So here's a Jewish man who grew up, probably his dad was a tax collector, so he grew up as an outsider, feels like an outsider. People, Jewish people were told that tax collectors were like the wild beasts that lived in the woods. They're monsters. They, they, had, they had religious laws that said, it is illegal to invite a tax collector into your home. It's illegal to eat with them. They're not allowed to go to the church and the synagogue and worship. So think about it from Matthew's perspective. Here's a guy who's an outsider. He's hated by all of the community. He doesn't have, you know, 
friends. His kids are not going to have friends. And there, but, but there's something unique also about a guy like Matthew. He would have been very wealthy, highly educated, and very organized, like a high administrative guy, right? He had to keep meticulous records. He probably spoke at least two languages. He probably spoke Aramaic and Greek and was very familiar with meaning probably almost fluent in Hebrew. This is important when you think about the fact that later he goes and he writes the gospel of Matthew. So let's pick up the story. Jesus is walking by with four fishermen who have regularly been cheated by Matthew who's sitting outside of Capernaum. Everything they, they fish for, they got to pay taxes to him. They're used to getting ripped off by this guy. They hate this guy. In fact, Peter, uh, Simon Peter is known as a zealot. I mean, who knows? He probably in the past has thought about killing Matthew, except Jesus speaks up first. As you read the verse, it says, as they're going by Matthew, the tax collector's, uh, at, at his tax collector's booth, uh, it says that Jesus speaks up and says, follow me. Or he just says, follow me. And Matthew says, that's what he told him. Follow me. Matthew has been in the region of Capernaum. He probably lives there. He has heard stories about Jesus. He's heard stories about how Jesus heals the sick and gives sight to the blind. He's heard stories about Jesus' miracles and teachings. Maybe, maybe Matthew even wondered if the stories could be true. Just before this moment, <laughs> this is interesting. Just before this moment, where is Jesus coming from? He's coming from a house where he had been teaching. The house was packed, so packed, that there was a, a man who was paralyzed and the friends wanted to bring him to Jesus, but they couldn't get him in. So they, they ripped open the thatched roof. They lowered him down with ropes right in front of Jesus. Jesus sees this, this paralyzed man, but knows that everybody in the, many people, the religious leaders are judging this man because they had this belief that when things go wrong in your life, it's because you've done wrong. So his paralysis is a symptom of a sin paralysis, a, a spiritual paralysis. So Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. What a moment. Here's a man with paralyzed legs, but the real problem is a disconnect from God. And so Jesus deals with the heart issue first. He goes, your sins are forgiven. And people begin to um, murmur and, and gripe. Who is this that thinks he can, he can forgive sins? And, and, and the way it goes is Jesus, it says to demonstrate that he had power over sin or the power to forgive sin, he said, get up, take your mat and walk. And immediately the man's legs were healed and he goes out of the house, fully made whole, forgiven and physically healed. Now, Jesus finishes teaching, makes his way out of the house, and is on his way out of the community, out of Capernaum, and walks by Matthew. Maybe Matthew already heard the story about the paralyzed man who's been healed by Jesus. So let's just jump in real quick. I'm going to read that to you. Go back to verse 2. It says, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. The real story here is about forgiveness. When Jesus sees Matthew, 
in verse 9, he says, follow me, he told him. Now listen to this. Matthew, this wealthy outsider, has already has to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. And it says, and Matthew got up, followed him. I mean, he weighed what it meant to abandon his tax booth, his investment, the, the identity that he was hiding behind. Okay, fine. You want to call me whatever name you want, you want to call me? Fine. You know what? I got a lot of resources. I can buy friends. At least I can hang out with other tax collectors and I can, I can you know, there's plenty of people like me and we can have, we can, you know, we can throw some good parties and I'll be fine. And Jesus says, follow me. It says, Matthew gets up and follows Jesus. There, there's, a, there's a practical point to this. When you think about what you and I are hiding behind, do we let people see the real us? Jesus invites Matthew to follow him. And the challenge for you and I is this, right? We're, this is a series about how God changes lives. Life change happens when your identity and your character are changed by Jesus. When you experience life change through Jesus, your identity, how you see yourself, and your character, who you really are, are changed. Now, what sets us up to live like Matthew? Here's a guy whose name means gift of God, but he's not living like a gift of God. He's living like a cheat. He's living as a traitor, a gift of God, living like a traitor and a cheat. What has got him to this point? It's not just a career. It's not just a, 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 you know, a job pathway. There's something deeper inside of him, a spiritual disconnect between him and God. And that same disconnect is inside of each one of us that we live separated from relationship with God. It's not religion. It's not church. It's not Christianity. It's a disconnect between us and God called sin. At the core of every one of us, sin separates us from God, relationship with God, and it separates us from each other. It causes us to hide who we really are because we don't want people to see who we really are. So we hide behind the best version or the worst version of ourselves. We don't let people really in. And even if we do let people in, we don't let people change us. Sin separates us from God and each other, and it sets us up for it forever, far from God. But Jesus comes along, and he invites people like Matthew to follow him. Here's a moment, right? Matthew has a choice. He, he has to consider the choice and count the cost. Am I going to get up, leave my life behind, and follow Jesus. And this is where life change happens. Matthew makes a conscious choice to get up from his tax collector's booth, lay aside his old way of living, and in a moment, he is embracing a new identity and a new character. He may have even wondered, would Jesus even want me? Now, before I move on, I gotta pause here. Think about it. Right next to Jesus is Peter and Andrew, James and John, who have seen, they've been, they've, not only have they seen Matthew, but they've been cheated by Matthew. They've been ripped up, off by Matthew. Their business has been hurt by Matthew. Imagine what they must be thinking when Jesus is walking by Matthew. And before they can say anything, Jesus says, come and follow me. Peter and Andrew must be like, what? 
Jesus away. He invited me to follow him. That's right. Jesus is inviting people like you and me to follow him. Would you be willing to get up from your, the identity that you're hiding behind to follow Jesus? Can I, can I just take a moment right now and invite you? Maybe you're at that place where you, you've been hiding, you, you've not been letting uh, people see the real you, and you know there's some things that if they were exposed, you'd be embarrassed, ashamed of. Can I encourage you? Jesus is inviting you right now to follow him. And if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, this is not saying yes to religion. This isn't saying yes to church. This is saying yes to the God who loves you and pursues you and wants to transform your life. You're you're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith. And if you're saying yes to Jesus right now, he wants to forgive you and give you new life. How, how, How could Jesus give you that? Because Jesus didn't just come to call people like Matthew to close to him. He came to give his life. Matthew later records the account of Jesus being crucified, giving his life as the sacrifice for our sins, dying in our place. Sin leads to a forever judgment. So Jesus took the forever judgment on himself, died in our place, but Matthew also records, he, I mean, he saw it firsthand, he met the resurrected Jesus, that Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead, victorious over the power of sin, over the power of death, and over eternal judgment. So that when you and I, like Matthew, believe in Jesus by faith, we not only follow Jesus, but we are forgiven and given new and forever life. If you're saying yes to Jesus right now, would you let somebody know? Maybe it's the person right next to you. Let one of us know. Find people in your life that don't know Jesus and let them know that you said yes to Jesus today, that you begin to follow Jesus. Please let us know. Scan the QR code. When you scan the QR code and you fill out the form, one of our pastors is gonna follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in walking with Jesus, which is where I wanna jump right back into the story. I love this moment where it says that, you know, Jesus says, follow me. Matthew gets up and he begins to follow Jesus, right? Who is he walking with? He's walking with Jesus and Peter and Andrew, James and John, the very people have been ripping off, the very people that saw Matthew as a monster, as a beast, as a thief, and as a traitor. Isn't it amazing that Jesus invited Matthew to walk alongside of the very people that he had hid himself from? The very people that had nothing but bad to say about him. Jesus says, you can walk together. Why? We walk together with others because we're walking with Jesus. The only only difference is that now they're walking together with Jesus. Jesus is the one that makes the difference. Jesus is the one that changes our lives. Without Jesus, you don't want to know the real me. And the truth is, I probably don't want to know the real you. But with Jesus, now I want to know you. And you want to get to know me. And we can walk together because what we share in common is Jesus. And nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what we once were. It doesn't matter what we were before. It doesn't matter about the shame and the guilt. We can, all of that's assumed. Peter and Andrew, they had their story. James and John, they had their story. In fact, in this series, you're going to hear about their stories. You know what they share in common? Walking together with Jesus. And when you walk together with Jesus, your identity is changed. Your character 
is transformed. You become what you otherwise could have never become. So, so let's jump back in the story. Let's find out how Matthew's identity and character began to be shaped through this journey of following Jesus. The very next verse, uh, or we're going to jump over uh, to the Gospel of Luke. By the way, um, Matthew is also referred to as Levi, son of Alphaeus. Now, it was common in that time to have two names. They didn't really have a last name. So your last name was really your dad. So they, they, you know, he's Levi, son of Alphaeus. So he might have been known as Matthew Levi, or he could have been from the tribe of Levi within the nation of Israel. Either way, uh, he's referred to as Levi in both the gospel of Mark and the gospel of Luke. So we're gonna jump into this story from the gospel of Luke, uh, verse 29, where it says this, then Levi, meaning in this passage, it says that he, Jesus came and said, follow me. And Matthew, uh, Levi got up and began to, he left everything and began to follow Jesus. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for, G, for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Let's keep going. Isn't that good? The first thing Levi does when Jesus invites him to follow him is he goes, hey, let's have a big party. I want to celebrate and I want Jesus to be my VIP, my guest of honor. As we continue, it says, and while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. See, he, here's the thing. The, the first part of this, what you immediately notice, right? It says that... Um, Levi, Matthew, left everything behind, followed Jesus, and then said, let's have a big party. And it's at his house, and he's funding it. And he's not just putting on a cheap party. He's putting on a lavish banquet. And he invites everybody he knows, meaning these are his kind of friends. These are his people. Have you ever gone to a, 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 somebody's home for a dinner or a party or something? And like you walk in, you're like, these are not my kind of people. Like you realize like, I don't fit in here, but like you just jump in. You're like, hey, I got invited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it work. Jesus shows up at a party put on by Matthew full of a bunch of tax collectors. These are his people and a bunch of sinners. I like it. It just calls it right out. Like these are a bunch of people that are not following God. They're not doing the right thing. They are disobeying God. They're a bunch of people that are probably like some of your friends. Okay. What's the point? Life change. What Matthew experienced means Getting becomes giving. When your life is changed by Jesus, getting becomes giving. This greedy outsider becomes a generous insider. The hoarder becomes a sharer. The taker becomes a giver. You can't help it. When you get around Jesus, the moment Jesus invites him to follow him, Jesus is saying, hey, come, you're one of my friends. You're, you're an insider now. And immediately, the moment this Matthew gets it, it changes him. He's like, wait, I'm, I'm one of you? And immediately becoming an insider, part of the family of God. He can't help it. He just immediately becomes this, he, he shifts from getting to giving, from always needing, always wanting. You, there's never enough. Meaning, listen to this, right? This is how it relates to all of us. No matter what Matthew got, it couldn't fill his deepest longing. No matter what he bought, no matter what he got, 
No matter what he owned, no matter what he sold, no matter how he cheated, no matter how much he ripped that person off, no matter what he accumulated, no matter how much his retirement account was worth, no matter what chariot he drove, nothing was enough to fill him or make him an insider in the family of God. And so when Jesus invites him in, he he experiences a life change that transforms Matthew from being an a greedy outsider to being a generous insider. Suddenly, he begins to live his name. He wasn't, he was living as a Levi, not a Matthew. Matthew means gift of God. And when he experienced the gift of Jesus, he discovered the gift is not what I can get. The gift is Jesus. And Jesus didn't come to take anything from him. Jesus came to give him everything. Jesus didn't come to take anything from you. He came to give you everything. When you receive Jesus by faith, your life is changed. And as you begin to change, you're going to discover very quickly, I mean, it doesn't even take a lot of time, something inside of you is filled. I, I like to say it this way, what fills, spills. You, and you're not just filled, like you're filled to overflowing. You can't help it. What's in you is going to spill out of you Matthew wanted to share, so he throws a big party. Jesus is the guest of honor. I love this. Everybody, let's come celebrate. He's changed. It it reminds you of another story when Jesus met uh, another tax collector named Zacchaeus. And and Zacchaeus, it it describes Zacchaeus as not very tall. He's a short man. He He can't see Jesus through the crowd, and so he climbs up in a sycamore tree. Jesus deliberately walks by that tree, looks up at Zacchaeus and says, I'm gonna come to your house today. Let's go have dinner at your place. Meaning nobody wanted to go to Zacchaeus' house. Again, he was a tax collector. It was almost, it was against the rabbinical laws, meaning the religious laws. Jesus says, I'm gonna go to your house. Zacchaeus not only welcomes Jesus, but he says, right now, whatever I've taken, I'm gonna give back. I'm gonna give back three times what I've stolen. Meaning encountering Jesus leads to life change. And when your life is changed, you move from being an, a greedy outsider to a generous insider. So when you look around at the world we live in and you see greed, you see hurt, you see poverty, you see homelessness, you, you know what? It's true. You could, you could drive by. I don't know what to do about that. But when you're filled with Jesus, when your life is changed, you can't help it. You, you are changed from being a getter to a giver, from a taker to a sharer. You want to be generous. Why? Because Jesus has been generous to you. Now let's jump back into this story. So it says this, that he, um, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and they ate with him and his disciples. Let's pick up right there, right? Verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? I mean, it's, it's illegal religiously to hang out with these people and especially go into their home and then to eat with them nonetheless. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I didn't come as the great physician to heal people who think they're already healthy, but they're hurting. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't want you to think that you can sacrifice for God to get something, meaning you give to get. What I desire is mercy, 
For I've come not to call the righteous, meaning people who, who are good in their own eyes, but sinners, people who recognize their own spiritual depravity. What is the point? Life change means sharing and showing the riches of God's grace. When your life is changed, you can't help but share and show the love of God, the riches of God's grace. Grace is this idea of God lavishly depositing into your spiritual account the riches of heaven. And Matthew received that. Matthew throws a big party. Matthew leaves everything behind, follows Jesus, throws a big party, invites all of his friends. I love this. This is important. Matthew immediately wants to share and show the riches of God's grace with everybody he knows. He can't help it. He's like, you, you have to come meet Jesus. He doesn't just want to give wealth. He doesn't want to just give a party. He wants to give them Jesus. And when you've met and encountered the riches of God, when your life has been changed from the inside out by the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, you can't help but want to lavish it on others. In fact, when you think about this story, who is it in your life right now? Who are the tax collectors in your life? Who are the quote unquote sinners in your sphere of influence that you can invite to meet Jesus? There are people that God has placed in your life specifically so that you can invite them to a party and invite them to meet Jesus. Look, it's not what you keep, it's what you give away. I, there's a missionary, there was a missionary, he was martyred for his faith in Ecuador, uh, trying to reach a, 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 a very remote tribe. Before he was martyred, he had written this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Matthew leaves everything behind, follows Jesus throws a party. You know what that party did? A whole bunch of outsiders came inside to meet Jesus. Their lives are changed. Tax collectors and sinners. You, you want to know why Lifehouse exists? To throw parties where people can meet Jesus. So tax collectors, outsiders, beasts, monsters can meet Jesus. People that everyone else, all the religious people think, though, those are sinners. Man, absolutely come and meet Jesus. Let's celebrate Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, everything changes. We're not, we're not going to tell you you have to do this and this and this in order to meet Jesus. No, we want you to meet Jesus and let Jesus change your life. Now, I want you to know that Matthew's life wasn't just changed in a moment. It was changed for a lifetime. It took a long time, but over time, Matthew not only follows Jesus, listen to this. If you fast forward, Jesus dies, he rises from the dead. Matthew is empowered by the Holy Spirit. He becomes a missionary pastor. Church history records that Matthew traveled to Persia, modern day Iran, and began to spread the good news of God's love, the gift of grace, the riches of meeting Jesus. From Persia, he traveled to Ethiopia. He became the, the missionary to, to Ethiopia back in the first century. 
In fact, around 60 AD, it's believed that he was stabbed to death by a spear. And so he became a martyr for Jesus. But there, they see Matthew as like the patron saint. I mean, Matthew was the first to bring the gospel to, to Persia and Iran. That's his story. A man whose life was changed by Jesus. A man who went from being a getter to a giver, taker, to a, someone who's sharing. And because of that, he wanted to share and show the riches of God's grace with anyone and everyone he could. How does God want to change you and your story? And as God changes your story, it begins to affect everyone around you. Can I, can I just pray over you? Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you didn't try to get anything from us. You saw us and you've invited us to follow you. And when we begin to follow you, we might leave everything in our life behind. But everything we leave behind is nothing compared to what you give us. That you're generous to us and you wanna pour your generosity through us. That you wanna lavish your love on loveless people. You're changing us. You're making us more like you, God. May we experience life change that transforms us from getting to giving and allows us to be the kind of people that richly show off your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.